FGT Nation, I fucking missed you guys, okay? To those of you that have been part of FGT Nation, hello, hello again, it's your boy Matt. To those of you that are new, because we got some new members, welcome, welcome to FGT Nation. You know, you just heard Sean with our little, uh, our little plug for, uh, for Anchor, now you're hearing me. Before I go any further, you're not going to hear our fucking intro. Let's hit it. Now, in case you can't tell from my rusty-ass intro, it's been a minute, okay? Sean's been keeping this fucking, you know, page afloat these past few weeks, so thank you. I've been dealing with a newborn, for those of you that don't know. For those of you that did know, Adeline's doing great, and so is Haley. Okay, a couple shout-outs to start off. We got Justin Fitzmorris and Kristen Michella helping us out through the Patreon, getting their slice at the Pizza Palace, okay? Check out our Patreon. Every little bit helps. Helps Sean and I continue to grow and just do everything we fucking can for you know for the podcast. Also, check out speaking of Justin Fitzmorris. Check out Slick Slick Shades. This gets me every fucking time, bro. Man, Sean and Justin, fuck y'all for making a do with a stutter trying to say Slick Slick Shades, all cool and casual. I gotta focus on that shit. Slick Shades. Slick with a Y. Okay. FGT25 gets you 25% off the whole website. It's still sunny as fuck, boy. Get them shades, boy. Okay. And then, of, of course, of course, of course, we got Damian Winslow at Infected Concepts. Anything you need graphic design. He does our merch. He does book covers, poster covers, wrestling posters. You fucking need it. He does it. Hit him up on Facebook, Infected Concepts. And of course, to finish us off, as he does every episode, Giggity, Andy Cosby and Chrome Roses. If you've been checking them out on Facebook, they've been doing a couple shows. Check them out if you haven't. You're missing the fuck out, okay? Now, my last episode was about running backs that have been been dealing with injuries. Glass backs, as I like to call them. And I had already planned this episode prior to events that have occurred. And I already wanted to deal with, you know some other troublesome running back situations, one of which is injury, one of which was just distrust in a player. And there's been there's since been crazy developments with that team. I'm talking about the Washington Commanders and the Minnesota Vikings, okay? You got Dalvin Cook, you know, with the Vikings dealing with, you know with injury concerns. And then you got some shit on the Washington Commanders, okay? I'm going to start with them just for the simple fact that it's been a roller coaster if you've been following that that team at all, okay? Now, again, everything I talk is PPR. Um, I, I'm a big PPR fan. I enjoy leagues that have PPR. Now, with that being said, if you don't draft that way, that's fine. Feel free to comment, okay? Let us you know, let us know if you guys let us know if you're doing PPR standard half point fucking survivor whatever you guys are doing let us know we can cater to that 
But until someone says differently, I'm doing pooper. All right. So I'm not going to start off talking about the elephant in the room yet. I want to talk about another thing that Washington did. They went out and they traded for Carson Wentz. Okay. Taylor Heineke finished the QB 19 in 2020 with the Washington football team, not yet commanders. I believe they're the football team in 20. I don't fucking know. I think they were 2020. They, they're a football team. I believe I, I got a shirt saying that somewhere. You know, and that's, that team really wasn't much, as far as I can tell. They had Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin. That's it. That I can remember. If I'm wrong, fucking correct me. I think they had Jamison Crowder, maybe. But I think he might have still been on the Jets. Um, but Heineke managed to be the QB 19 in 2020 on that team. Keep that in mind. Carson Wentz played on the Colts last year. He had 3,563 yards, 27 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. Now, Wentz gets this fucking, this reputation as throwing picks left and right. I'm actually a huge Wentz advocate. I feel like his biggest downfall is the fact that he needs to feel like he, he feels like he needs to make the big play every play. And we see him constantly put himself in situations to just get fucking annihilated and there's no need for it. He has to learn to trust his teammates around him to make the big play. I don't know what his issue was. Granted, at the time, there really wasn't much big play people in my, you know, big play uh, receivers around him. I'm hoping that changes with Terry McLaurin. But I'm actually a bigger fan of of Carson Wentz than, than most people, apparently. He finished the QB 14 last year, but then dropped to projected QB 24 for this coming season, okay? Only twice in his career has he thrown double-digit interceptions. It was his rookie season and then in 2020. Every other year besides that, he's thrown seven interceptions. Like, that's it. He broke 4,000 yards in 2019, which on that team to me is insane. And then aside from that, you got Mac Jones ranked right above him at uh, 23 projected. Projected 21 for Tannehill, 18 for Jameis Winston, and 18 for Trevor Lawrence. Aside from other question marks in the top, because I'm not going to argue, you know, Carson Wentz in the top 15, top, you know, 10. Do I think he has the potential to maybe come close to 15? I do. Do I think he has potential to take over to be in the you know, to take over those fucking four guys I mentioned? Absolutely. I'm a Patriots fan, and I want to cry when I look at the at the fucking Patriots uh, receiving core. It hurts me. It genuinely hurts me. I, our most promising fucking guy was a rookie that got hurt because he weighs 180 pounds soaking wet. Devontae Parker needs to stay healthy. Jacoby Myers needs to score touchdowns. It just, I, I, this isn't about them. Ryan Tannehill is throwing to Robert Woods, who's 30, 30 plus, or I think at least 30, coming off what I believe was a torn ACL, and he has Traylon Burks, who's a rookie. I can't even fucking tell you who he's throwing to outside of that. I think they got a new tight end. I want to say Austin Hooper. I don't know why I'm thinking that, but the fact of the matter is, I can't fucking tell you outside of that 
those two guys who he's throwing the ball to. Jameis Winston's coming off a nasty injury with a lot of questions out there. A lot of questions outside of Michael Thomas, and that's even with Michael Thomas, actually, questions. And Trevor Lawrence is playing on a team whose best receiver is hopefully Christian fucking Kirk because you're paying him like he is. But he still has a lot to prove, and you're basing that just off potential. You know, Carson Wentz has Terry McLaurin. Um, I always want to say Jahan, yeah, Jahan Dobson, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick. Like, there's, there's more talent around him, in my opinion, than some of the guys I just talked about. I don't see why Carson Wentz couldn't be a guy that just comes out and fucking slings it. Because that's what he's doing. And now he has a coach in Ron Rivera who was able to make Cam Newton work. And we've seen it. You know, he hasn't been shit since. You know, I really think that Rivera is going to just get Wentz to finally fucking relax. Take a chill pill. If he does that, I think Wentz will fucking surprise some people. I really do. I think that offense has the potential if everybody can click and just gel. Not even just... Ball up, if they can all just gel as a team, I think the offense has potential. And I think Wentz has the potential to orchestrate if he just fucking steps back. Am I taking him as my QB1? No. Am I taking a young guy, you know, first, and then maybe taking a flyer on a Carson Wentz second? Yeah. Or if I get me an older guy, am I taking the... I think Carson Wentz is a great QB2 because he has... Nothing but upside, in my opinion. I do not see... In my, if he... If he plays worse than QB24, fucking let go of him. Because there's no reason he should. The next fine gentleman I'd like to talk about is fucking Scary Terry. Terry McLaurin. I know my boy Sean is huge on him. And I'm fucking huge on him. Okay? Last season, he had 77 catches on 130 targets. For 1,053 yards and 5 touchdowns. He was the receiver 24. And he's projected to be the receiver 19. And I absolutely think he will crack the top 15. Okay. I, I, I think Sean and I might need to go back to our old rankings and adjust them now that we've, you know, are closer to the season. Because that was our way too fucking early rankings. I would, I would need to sit down and really see... Who's going to finish over Terry McLaurin? Because right now he's projected 19. And like I, and I, I, the reason I say 15 is because the four guys ranked directly ahead of him are receiver two on their own team. Okay? The only reason Terry McLaurin finished so low last year was because he had Taylor Heineke who threw 20 touchdowns. If I remember, if I remember correctly. People are saying that the, that, Wentz isn't the upgrade that he needed, and I think that's fucking completely wrong. Okay, McLaurin, with garbage quarterback play, has had over a thousand yards the last two seasons. With just fucking, McLaurin's falling in the same category as Brandon Cooks because their quarterbacks suck. Okay, but guess what? Someone still has to fucking put up points on the team. Terry McLaurin's a fucking animal. And I would be very surprised. Now, do I think Wentz will do great? Like I said, I don't think he'll be, you know, I think he has upside. 
The question mark being, can, can, can other people on the team click around him? I have no doubt that Terry McLaurin is a receiver two, you know, receiver one potential. But I, I will draft Terry McLaurin as my receiver two every fucking day of the week. If you're drafting and you already have two receivers and you realize that he's available for a flex, guess what, buddy? You're taking a stretch that round. I don't give a fuck what else you needed. Okay? You might have needed a running back. Well, probably let him slide and see what else happens unless there's really no one fucking left. Because Ter- if you can get Terry McLaurin as a flex, you're doing pretty all, pretty all right already. I think he is one of the most slept-on receivers, and I will be very surprised if he finishes outside of the top twenty. And I would not, I would not be surprised if he finishes as, as you know, fifteen, sixteen, somewhere in that range. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the two other receivers because I rank them both as late-round flyers. Um, I mean, we all know that, you know. Championships are one in the late rounds. I mean, you know who the fuck you're... You should know who, you know, not who... Maybe not who exactly you're taking, but who abouts to take in the first, you know, five, six rounds. If you really pay attention, five, you know, six, seven rounds. But, you know, once you get later on, that's when you win championships. Is You know, you snag the guy that ends up being fucking crucial for his team. And that's usually a receiver, too, or... A running back, and I'm I'm not saying receiver two for you. I'm saying receiver two on their team, you know, or a running back that, you know, you had as a handcuff, or at, that 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 showed flashes, or was in a joint backfield and something happened. You know, it usually takes something for running backs, but receivers is typically just slept on, you know, receiver two, sometimes receiver ones. You know, like I've seen Cooks and McLaurin slide, but th- these guys, Curtis Samuel and Dotson. Uh, Dawson's the rookie. All I'm going to say about that is uh, Samuel showed flashes before his injury last year. But everything I've been reading has been saying that Dawson's been looking better in camp and is looking like the more likely of the two, um, you know, know, to be be the receiver two behind behind McLaurin. Now, with some other events I'm going to talk about in a little bit, uh, is there a chance that Washington maybe wants to run three receivers? Maybe. With the injury concerns to tight end and running back, you know, maybe. Um, but if you're gonna if you're gonna take one of the two later on, um, I would be more comfortable taking Dotson. With that being said, we do know how rookie receivers can and can't work out. So that's that's gonna be your gut your you know, a you feeling. But everything I'm reading and everything I'm feeling is telling me to take Dotson if I'm gonna touch uh, a second receiver on that team. Um, again, I could be wrong. I'm just a fat kid sitting in a goddamn Nissan Versa, okay? Versace Studios. But it is what it is. Now, speaking of injured tight ends, I want to talk about my man Wolverine, Logan Thomas, okay? One of the most frustrating tight ends in football. I've read things. That have literally said, if not for injuries, he would he should be considered with George Kittle. Do I do I agree with that? No, no, I don't. But facts don't lie. He when he when he uh, in twenty twenty he was a tight end four, largely due to touchdowns, which Sean and I have made the fuck. If you haven't gotten anything else out of this with drafting, please from me understand 
Tight ends are touchdown dependent once you get outside of the top, like, fucking three or four, okay? If you don't get an Andrews, a Kelsey, a Kittle, a Pitts, or a Waller, so I guess five, you, and even Waller is questionable with Adams now, so I'm still at four and a half, you know? You're looking at what guys are going to get red zone looks. Logan Thomas got him, okay? He was a tight end four in 2020, and in the five games he played last year, he was he was in the top ten. Okay, problem is he's only played two full seasons since he was drafted in 2014. That's what's going on eight years, bud. That's not that, that's two full seasons through seven years. Not good. Not very helpful. Now, with that being said, everything in, in camp is that you know they're nurturing him, they're nursing him, but he should be good to go week one, potentially week two if if you know, bar, you know with any setbacks. Do I think he's worth it the draft? I would base that fully off how your how your league drafts. You, do you got guys grabbing two tight ends all of a sudden? You know, boom, 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 because you know, because George Kittle gets in, you know, gets injured a lot. Waller's questionable. Kelsey's old. You know, you got guys grabbing, you know, Komet, Knox, Goddard early on, so they're kind of all of a sudden falling. If you're okay fading tight end. You know, and you, you know, let's say you get a, you get a good one early on, or someone you really you really feel feel good about, and you want to fade a tight end till later on, and with your last you know a couple picks, scoop Logan Thomas. I'm not mad at you for it. His potential is fucking there. If he stays healthy, his potential is top ten tight end, which is all you can fucking ask for, in my opinion. I had Jaseki last year, and I was more than happy, but. I just, I'm not sure how much you can trust the man's injuries. Like I said, two seasons since 2014. That's, that's concerning. But we've seen with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard what um, Carson Wentz can do with tight ends. He makes them, he makes them good. He makes them relevant. He likes them. So take the flyer if you want, if you want to, if you want to fade tight ends. If you're not comfortable fading it, understandable. All right, all right. Now, I know I teased it to start it, okay? Okay, I tickled the balls over here. I just teased it a little bit. I flicked it. Flicked it a little bit. We're finally going to talk running backs, okay? Now, Antonio Gibson is on paper now, and last season, all last season was the RB1. Okay? And... When I read you his stats up front, you, you'll wonder why why he wasn't just the consensus RB one for this for this next season, okay? Because he, he did nothing but improve from 20, 2020, Although his touchdowns in twenty twenty were unreal, because in twenty twenty he had eleven rushing touchdowns, which is great. And in, but he but he jumped up fucking eight over eighty carries. 80 carries in you know from 2020 to 2021. He had 258 attempts, 1037 yards, seven touchdowns, and he caught 42 uh, passes on 52 attempts for 294 yards and three touchdowns. So, for all intents and purposes, this dude had about 1300 yards or just over 1300 yards combined with 10 touchdowns last year on exactly 300 touches. 
That's including catches. That's not bad. On a team like Washington last year, that had the lack of talent they had, to have a guy put up over a thousand rushing and another three hundred through the air. How do you, how do you get mad at that? You say. Well, he also had six fumbles. Okay, I mean he finishes the RB ten last year, and he's projected to finish RB twenty six. That might be the biggest drop I've seen. And the reason being is Washington has come out and said on several occasions, or at least at least made it known enough, they don't trust Gibson. I mean, they they drafted Brian Robinson, who throughout talks, and I dra- and I I got him in a trade because I, I like him a lot, um, was was supposed to be taken over for Gibson. You know, there was reports coming out that Gibson was going to be handling kickoffs and punt returns, and you were going to see a Robinson and McKissick split. Uh, And then Brian Robinson got fucking shot twice, from what I've been hearing. said multiple times, but I I think I read somewhere it said twice. And uh, the crazy part with him is he's, like, his injury history was just crazy. Like, or the... The, the the injury history the like what they were doing with him right after because it happened on a Sunday he was out on a Monday and he's back to the team facility the next day and like walking around on crutches he was shot in his lower fucking extremities which is kind of like your most important piece as a running back and they can't even give a timetable because apparently it was like the most ideal way to get shot if there is an ideal way to get shot they were like both both wounds were through and through. And it's just a matter of natural body healing. They, you know, they sewed him up so it would heal, but it, like from what I understand, it didn't hit anything important. So there's reports and a very good chance he plays this year. And I think his involvement is largely going to fall on, you know, what Antonio Gibson does with this unfortunate opportunity, you know, because it is an opportunity for him, but it came in a very unfortunate circumstance. Not saying investigate the man, but like, hmm. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not accusing you, Antonio Gibson. Don't send shooters. No, but like, you know, seriously, this is an unfortunate opportunity for him. If he can come out, I mean, from what I heard, he was fumbling in, in preseason too. But if he can come out the first few games of the, the season and show that he knows how to hold on to a fucking football, then chances are he may. He, regains RB1 at least for the remainder of the season, and they let Robinson heal. If he comes out and he's still got a case of fumbleitis, chances are when Robinson wants to come back, they'll, impl- they'll, they'll put him in the game plan and see how he does if they, if they deem him healthy. Because Gibson has the athletic ability. He just needs some fucking stick or something. Because it's, I mean, as, as far as JD McKissick's concerned, he's a pass catching back. He he he's used in, you know, third down, and when the when the team is you know behind points and and not running it anymore. So I would say if you're gonna draft Gibson, at least take McKissick, just for your own sanity. Obviously not back to back. That'd be ridiculous. But target him appropriately, but I just I feel like 
I feel like you're better off letting someone else fall in love with Gibson. Um, if he again, you know, if he comes out week one and doesn't fumble at all, puts up hundred something yards, tells me I go fuck myself. All right then, I'm wrong. But I just feel like, in my opinion, there's enough headaches around the league. Don't add another one. I don't want to touch him. And I don't say that about about a lot of people. I'll be upfront during this podcast and say that Sean and I had a had a talk or had a trade supposed to go through where I was going to be getting him, but it was only because he was one of two running backs I was getting, and I was most likely going to end up trading uh, Gibson away for a receiver. Um, I just I feel like it's too uncertain. I love his athletic ability, but how do you teach someone to just hold the fucking football more? Now, having just talked about the Washington Commanders, I want to talk about a team whose quarterback played for them when they were the Redskins. Okay? That's the Minnesota Vikings. Who are a fucking scary offense, man. Fucking scary offense. They have a lot of weapons this year that surprised the shit out of me, honestly. Um, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. I mean, not that they're looked down on, but I really think their their uh, their new head coach is just really gonna change, just just really help Kirk Cousins fucking ball out. And yeah, I want to talk about Kirk family family member first. This dude is as fucking bland as Wonder Bread. Okay, Kirk Cousins is just the most boring looking, acting, sounding, reading about, looking at motherfucker I've had to deal with yet. He just looks like a generic... He looks like if Madden had to make somebody. Boom. He's in there. But, he's also one of the most fucking slept on quarterbacks. Like, people talk about him like he's, you know, maybe a top 20. He's a top 15, guys. Sorry if that burst your fucking bubble somehow. But, I mean, there's no way. And he's borderline top 10 this year. There's no way he, he's below his ADP. I mean, last year he had 4,221 yards, 33 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. I just talked about Carson Wentz with 27-7 and seven being a possible 15 this year with his upgrades. There's no way I, I, I can't talk about Kirk Cousins being top 10. Because just to name three guys ahead of him are Aaron Rodgers, Trey Lance, and Dak Prescott. Now, Dak Prescott is... I'm not arguing Dak, Dak Prescott's ability, but he they lost Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup's hurt, and there's been a couple other changes there. So who knows what'll happen with that? Will he will, will Prescott still be? I mean, he'll, he'll still be a top 15, but will he be where he is? Trey Lance is purely on specu, purely on fucking speculation. Okay, because as I fucking rec, you know record this, not as I record this, but like since you know we last talked about it. You know, uh, Jimmy G, as of right now, is staying in San Fran with a restructured contract. Which means Trey Lance is probably the starter, but if he fucking sucks, Jimmy G's in. Like, you gotta wonder, how long is the leash? San Fran's got an incredible, a top defense, an incredible talent offensively. If Trey Lance comes out and back-to-back games looks mediocre at best, does Jimmy G get a shot? So, 
you know, Lance is purely speculation. And then Aaron Rodgers, I understand he's won MVPs and he's, you know, discount double check. He's Mr. DMT, all that shit. He's a prick, you know, everything. His team is not the same. He does not have an elite receiver unless Alan Lazard, Alan Lazard pulls a fucking rabbit out of his ass, which is he capable of? Maybe. Maybe he's capable of being receiver one. But he's no he's no fucking Devontae Adams. I'm saying receiver one for that team. He's no Devontae Adams. No fucking way in hell. You know, you're losing a top five, arguably top three receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams. And you didn't replace him. You didn't even so much as go out and get a Juju or an aging Julio or fucking a crazy Antonio Brown. You drafted two rookies, uh, Randy Dobbs or Dubes and Christian Watson. And you're hoping Alan Lazard can fucking step it up. And, And if you're smart, you're using Aaron Jones in the slot. But to sit there and say that the guy that's got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, and to name my Jalen Rieger now with a tra- like KJ, just Irv Smith Jr. These yeah, all the guys I'm gonna fucking talk about. Like to sit here and say that a guy like Aaron Rodgers with the weapons he doesn't have anymore is still projected to finish over Kirk Cousins, who I believe is also older than Kirk Cousins. Uh, Trey Lance, who's an unproven guy who basically sat out his rookie year. Like, I just... I I can argue with the weapons and the youth and the, and the athleticism, at least for Lance and Prescott. But I just... I feel like Kirk Cousins being the QB 14 projected, I feel like he'll be higher. I could see him closer to 10, you know, 12, 11, maybe even pushing into the top 10 if, you know, all the reports that come out about this new head coach are, are accurate. I mean... All reports are that because they're going to let Kirk Cousins fucking sling it. And that they're going to just let him come out and throw his fucking dick around the NFL. Yeah, I'm burping. Sorry. Okay, I apologize. Wasn't meant to. But we don't edit here. Fuck it. Uh, you know, all I've read something like they were one of the bot- the Vikings were one of the bottom teams in like early passing or passing on early downs. And the, and the coach they brought in is, like, one of the highest ones. So there's all – and with Dalvin Cook's injuries, it would make sense, you know? Get him his carries throughout the game instead of just on early downs when the when, when defenses can plan for it. I you know, if, you know, if you get in a second and one, second and two, you can afford to let him run at that point, you know, and not have to get you eight fucking yards every carry and break, his, and break himself. But – if everything is panning out the way that reports say, Kirk Cousins could very well be, uh, you know, the number ten, number nine quarterback next, you know, by the end of the year. I do not see that, you know, out of the realm of possibility. I do not see him dropping below QB fourteen. I'm only going to briefly touch on uh, this next gentleman, but it's Irv Smith Jr., who played behind Tyler Conklin last year. Is dealing with a thumb injury, should be cleared for week one. And the only thing I'm going to say about him is I'm putting him in the same category, but a, but a little higher than Logan Thomas. 
I know Logan Thomas has already proven it, but his injuries just concern me a little more. Um, all reports in camp, everything I'm reading says that Irv Smith Jr. is poised to have uh, a very good season. Um, with that being said, we really haven't seen the tight end usage from Kirk, Kirk Cousins as of late that we're used to, but that could just be due to inconsistency. So I would put him in the same category as Logan Thomas from, from, from the, the commanders as a guy to take late on a flyer because his, if he's, you know, if you want to, because his potential is, and his upside is, is incredible. But the ceilings are, or the floors are also not too great either. So if you, if you have an elevator and can afford it, it's worth the risk. But I'm going to talk about the other pass catchers, or at least the ones you know I can touch on briefly, which will be Jalen Rieger and K.J. Osborne. Um, I thought, and I know Sean thought too, because he had had K.J. Osborne as a breakout candidate, I heavily thought that maybe K.J. Osborne was a good potential breakout and uh, had a good chance to take over that receiver two spot. I mean, Adam Thielen's 30 fucking two years old. Um, you know, we, he showed some flashes last year here and there, and we both really thought he was poised to to kind of slide in for that receiver too, kind of do a little effortless transition. Now, the Vikings go out and trade for Jalen Rieger. Does that, so to me, that says one of two things. That says, well, sorry, one of three things, actually. That says, A... K.J. Osborne's not the guy we thought he was, so let's go get someone we think can take over. That's, am I, you know, I think, I think that's the more likely. I think option two, which is a, a little less likely, is, you know, we're really going to try to air the fuck out this season, and we want to run four receivers at times. So we want to have a viable fourth option. For, like, which... I think is less likely because then that you know that questions the usage of Irv Smith Jr. Um, and Delvin Cook. So I'm not sure about that. And the least likely option is that Adam Thielen just fucking cooked, and they don't believe he'll he'll be the guy they want him to be. So they're bringing in youth behind him. I don't think that's the case. I'll get to Adam Thielen, but I'm not touching KJ Osborne or Jalen Rieger until it's either a later on in, in the draft. And I realize I fucked up and didn't take any receiver depth. And there's really no one left. Or B, come waivers and I either make a trade, need to pick somebody up, and even then I'm not sure, or an injury. Um, they're, they're both kind of what I put in the wait till week one category. Um, I just, I feel like that team has so many weapons that you're going to have to see which one of those two gets used as the receiver three. Because I feel like that's what's going to be the, the the more likely to you know the, the more likely of of uh, outcomes is that one of those two is a receiver three. All right, now we're talking about Father Fucking Time, Adam Thielen. His whole shtick is touchdowns. Argue with me, I dare you. Argue with me, please. He had sixty-seven catches. Uh, 726 yards last year and 10 touchdowns. So, 
By every seventh catch, my dude, my dude had a touchdown. I don't see that sustaining. I see that more as lack of tight end consistency or trust from Kirk Cousins. Or mixed with the relationship Thielen and him have. Adam Thielen is no longer, not that he ever really was, but he's not a field stretcher. He's an older slot guy if you need a, you know, he's the old reliable if you need a couple yards on third down. And he's the he's the big body in the end zone. Um, I don't like, I don't like Thielen this year. I know people, you know, think I'm crazy for that. People are, you know, don't understand why I'm so against him. I don't like Thielen this year. He's 30 fucking two years old. I'm sorry. I don't see him maintaining. He looks like a dude that goes to, to the go-karts on Saturday and like, and gets a, a joy out of beating kids. Not physically, but like at the go-karts. Like he looks like a weirdo. So that, that might also bug me a little bit, but his his fantasy relevance is 100% touchdown dependent. You're essentially he's essentially the, he was essentially Minnesota's tight end for the past two years. <clears throat> he wasn't getting you know he wasn't getting receiver one numbers at all, receiver two barely. You know I I literally would equate his play the past two seasons to being their tight end. And I think with Irv Smith being healthy, or at least you know, if his hand holds up, and now that, that they have Osborne and, and Rieger, I'm not comfortable taking Thielen. I, I think he's one of those guys where that's going to be a how you feel about him. If you like him and you trust him, okay. But I've never had him. That I don't. So I, I, I have no ties to him. At, at least not that I can recall. And I don't trust his age. It's horrifying. Of course, that leaves us with the man of the hour. For receivers, at least. El Jefe. Justin Jefferson. My dude balled the fuck out last year. And he's been balling out his, his first two years in the league. 108 catches on 167 targets. 1,616 yards and 10 touchdowns. So yes, Adam Thielen matched Justin Jefferson in touchdowns last year. There's no fucking way Thielen repeats that. I'm sorry. I'll be I'll be surprised if Thielen gets eight. I think six is kind of his max, honestly. So if you want to argue with me on that one, by all means, let me know. But yeah, Jefferson had 1,600 yards and 10 touchdowns. He was a receiver four, and depending on where you look, he's a projected one or two. And I would argue he's the receiver one just for the simple fact of the regression of talent around him for receiver compared to like a, a chase or you know, that's who's been considered the other the other option. But also the just the aggressiveness or projected aggressiveness of Kirk Cousins. If he comes out and just plays like he has like he's like he's talked about or has been talked about. There's no way Jefferson isn't the receiver one. I mean, he has the most receiving yards in NFL history in your fir- through a player's first two seasons with 3,016. He has the, he was number one in air yards in 2021, and with a, with a more aggressive head coach calling it, there's zero reason to believe that that's going to change. Um, 
I, I don't need to continue going on Justin Jefferson. If you don't think he's a top three, I'll allow you not to think he's number one. If you don't think he's a top three receiver, fucking say something. And we, because I'd love, to, I'd love to hear your fucking logic, please. The last two guys on this team I want to talk about are Dalvin Cook and Alexander Mattinson. And I'm going to start off by saying the reason I'm talking about them together, aside from them being running backs, is because they are the only two fucking people I will come out and say, if you draft one, you must draft the other. Okay? Yes, there are plenty of handcuffs in fantasy football. None like this. Every From what I was reading, every game the last season or two, that Delvin Cook has missed, and Alexander Mattinson has stepped into, he's averaged over 20 carries, okay? Even with the likes of someone losing, you know, Derrick Henry, Tennessee's not going to feed, at least not right now, you might see that if the season changes, they're not going to feed a back 20-plus times still. They're going to spread it out among... Alexander Mattinson directly steps in and fills the role for the Vikings, not on the, not as much on the stat sheet, but enough that the Vikings are cool with it to be their their running back one. So, and with Dalvin Cook's injury history, you cannot trust him. To, you have to if you're gonna if you're gonna draft Dalvin Cook, you have to accept the fact you're not gonna have him for the entire season. You hope that it's he he has a couple dings early on and he gets through it. You don't want to lose him later on. But if you if you do, you have to accept that you're going to lose him. So draft the guy that immediately comes in, and they don't modify the role at all. I mean, in one game, he had 32 fucking touches, I was reading. So when, when Cook goes down, the Vikings play the exact same way they do with him. So Mattinson gets the exact same looks. So there's a chance that, at the very least, if your team is good, he'll help you maintain if you're strictly relying on Cook, then chances are you might see a little bit of a decline. But take Mattinson if you take Cook. Devin Cook played 13 games last year. He had 249 attempts, 1,159 yards, and six touchdowns. He caught 34 of 49 uh, passes for 224 yards. He was the RB15 projected RB4 because when he's healthy, he's un fucking real. He had 1,557 yards rushing on with 16 touchdowns in 2020 and 13 touchdowns in 2019. Well, what? Well, he only had six touchdowns last year. Yeah. He had 15 goal line carries and only converted three of them. There's no way he will get, he will repeat that, that low of number. I don't know what the issue was. I'm not Dalvin Cook. I'm not on the Vikings. But I do know that if Delvin Cook gets 15 goal line carries again this year, he will convert at a minimum double that, giving himself nine touchdowns at least. So I don't see him being under 10 touchdowns again next uh, this coming year. With that being said, the only thing that would stop him is his injuries. He's yet to play a full season in the NFL. He's missed at least two games. And, you know, unfortunately with injuries, you can't schedule those missed games. You can't decide to burn to burn off two missed games early on in your season and have them for the championship. You know, 
with Dalvin Cook, you really run the risk of, you know, losing him at an opportune moment. If he's healthy, he's he's in, he's in talks for top running back in the NFL. If he's healthy. So, am I taking Dalvin Cook? I'm not saying don't take him. I'm saying don't stretch on him for him and take Mattinson with him. You know, still if if you if Jonathan Taylor, CMC, and um probably those two are off the board. You know, I'm probably taking a mixing over them just due to health reasons. I mean CMC and CMC I'm I'm only taking due to more upside on that team. But once those three are off the board, I'm you know, Cook should be should be targeted. Derrick Henry, I think I may, maybe if you like him more, you know, I like Henry more than Cook, but you might not. I think that's when it starts to come into the who do you like more factor. But don't stretch. Don't take him as, as you know, first, second off the fucking board. Please. As always, FGT Nation, if you feel like I forgot someone on a team, added someone that shouldn't have been there, was fucking wrong about someone, just, if you have an opinion, let me know. I love fucking going back and forth, okay? I can't thank you guys enough for just continuing to let us do this, for supporting us, helping us grow. Like I've said, check out that Patreon. Check out the Facebook. The damn... Check out the Facebook and the Twitter. Check out Facebook. Check out TikTok. Check out Anchor, Spotify, um, fucking Apple Music, Google Podcasts. I should say Apple Podcasts, not Apple Music. Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Fucking Google us. Send them a smoke signal. We'll send one back. Whatever. Just, you know, check us out. Like, share, follow, all that. Again, for those of you that are new, welcome, welcome. For those of you that have been here, we we appreciate it. Until next time, fucking peace. Sterilize so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.
a plan You don't need to hold my hand But you can